I am so excited to be here with you tonight. I have just had the most hectic two weeks. I hardly had any time to listen. And I have prepared the talk, and, I've, and I just was longing. Last night when I went to bed, I thought, God, I just, I just want to soak with you, not go over my notes, just be with you. And I had my whole afternoon cancel. You see, God is so excited about what he wants to share with you tonight that he canceled my whole afternoon. And so I want you to know I didn't pour over my notes. I didn't come up with new illustrations. I just spent time soaking in the word, spending time listening to him, just hearing his voice for you this, mor this evening. This morning, it's not that light seems like, you know, sunshine. Um, I am so um, thrilled about what God might do tonight. I believe he's here, he's in our midst, and he has something very special to see, to say to each one of you. You are each his child, his daughter, the daughter of the king. I'm a new grandmother. I have, well, I have an 18-month-old little Maddox, and he is just a joy, but he's all boy, and he's everywhere. But I have a five-week-old little Joshua that he just lets me hold him. He doesn't wiggle out of my arms. I could just kiss him and, you know, whereas Maddox is like all over the place. I have to, you know, just chase him all over. And as I was thinking about my two grandchildren, I thought, how often... Our lives to God are like an 18-month-old. We're all over the place. And what God desires is us for just to crawl up into his lap, to let him hold us. He wants to just look at us. He made you. He created you. He wants to kiss your face. He wants to sing songs over you. He wants to bless you. You know, when I thought first off about, as God about 10 years ago, just began in me a desire to want to listen more intently to the Lord. And I just asked him, teach me how to listen. And you know, one of the things I thought of, my motivation was because I want to do every good work that you've designed for me to walk in. So I want to hear more so I can do more. Actually, God had put the desire in my heart to listen to him and hear his voice because he actually wanted to show me things that he didn't want me to do. He wanted to create margin in my life. He wanted to show me from his word, from time set aside just to listen to him. He had made the last 10 years, I can't even put in words. I would never go back to just running around being busy and barren because now I'm living a life that is blessed and bearing bushels of fruit that are born out of my tree, my roots going down deep, deep, deeper still into the soil of God and his word and his whispered word to me. If you could hear God speak, what would you want to hear? 
Maybe there's a decision you have to make. Maybe you have a prodigal child. Maybe you want a reason why. And you know, that's okay. We can ask God all the questions we want. But you know what he's longing to do? To tell you what he knows you need to hear. And I, I just want to be vulnerable with you and read out of my listening journal. You see, when I began this adventure 10 years ago, I loved to journal. A couple of girls in my neighborhood Bible study are here, and for my 50th birthday, they all gave me journals. Just because I, I just write and write and write and write. As I began to listen to the Lord, he told me I was talking too much. Now, what he meant by that, and I knew exactly, I was writing too much. I'm a teacher at heart, and I take this passage, and I get all excited about it, and I just, you know, flip here and flip there and flip there. I was like an 18-month-old in my time with the Lord. He wanted me to be a five-week-old in his arms to slow down and hear his voice. So I have now... This is my journal, and it's specifically smaller and thinner. This is what I, when I read the word, I just jot some thoughts. But this is my listening journal. I have two. And you know, growing up, I have, I have bins and bins of journals. And I told my husband and my children they are not to print any of those. Because I vent in them. I don't want my kids to, I mean, I'm just honest. And I, I don't want Mark to see him. I don't want my kids to see him. You know, it's just between God and I. But when I started listening, I told, I told Mark he could print absolutely anything and everything in these listening journals because it was not me. Now, it's not mystical. It's not weird. And you will hear as I read, I'm, I call this one, I don't title them all, Voiceless and Elegy. Um, last month, I lost my voice. And I was planning a two-day retreat alone to the Lord, and he really made it a silent, solitude retreat. I couldn't even talk on the phone. I mean, nothing. I couldn't, you know, be distracted. So this is what he said. You may be without a voice, but I am not... Wait, you know what? I am at that place where I need these. Okay, let me start over. You may not be, you may be without a voice, but I am not. My creation magnifies and shouts my name. The baby cries. The babbling are praising me. To my ears, my word listened to can be followed with or without a voice. In a chattering, texting, noisy world, I've called you to not only be still, but be silent. You have two eyes to see, two ears to hear. Engage ever more fully in the unspoken world. Be still and know. Not tell, not share, not speak, not encourage, not call, not sing, not give advice or counsel with your lips. I don't need you to do that for me. I've got it all covered. Worship is just simply blowing kisses. 
singing can be done in your heart. I want you to cease striving and know. Cease talking. Just listen and observe. Watch. Be amazed at what I have to say when you're not talking or even planning a talk or a message. You can love me without a voice. In fact, you can love others without speaking. Eyes of love, tears sparkle in your eye, peace, ears to listen and pray as you sense me prompting. Hugs, pats, squeezes, kisses, closeness. We, waves, waves, oh, waves, and all kinds of gestures to show you care. In fact, the fruit of my spirit through you, no words are needed. Use no words and know me. Why not choose silent retreats? Why not plan them in? No talking, no texting, no emailing, no card writing. I love to write cards. Gladly lay down your voice and listen deeper still. You see, I thought that when I would begin to listen, God would have more things for me to do. He's actually made me do less and listen more. So I just want to take you through a couple of questions here. And I had this bookmark. If you want to just grab it on your table. I had this made for you because basically if you fall asleep or if you forget what I say, it's all right here. You see, in Jeremiah 23, 18, <clears throat> Jeremiah said, Can you name even one of the prophets who knows the Lord well enough to hear what he is saying? Has even one of them cared enough to listen? Do you know that God does speak and you can hear his voice? But what keeps you from hearing his voice? Now, this is going to put me way back. Do you remember the transistor radios? <laughs> yes. You know, some of you young girls, a radio, what? And, you know, the frequencies when I was growing up weren't real great. And so you do the radio and you hear all this static, you know, and then you finally get the station. And as you're driving along, sometimes you, you, you get away from that station and what happens? It goes staticky again. You know what I think happens? We get, you know, the rage of having noisemakers to sleep with. Just that noise. How often do we just become content with the static and we don't ever clearly hear God's voice? He wants to speak to us, but we got to tune in. And I just want to show you three things or ask you three questions that have really helped me tune in. Question number one, do you know God enough to hear? Do you know God enough to hear? I think it's uncanny. Before I had children, I never could get this. We'd be in a, in a room and there'd be all kinds of children and a mother would immediately hear her child's cry, like three football fields away. <laughs> but she knew her child's voice. I get that now. Do you know God's voice? 
Do you know him well enough? Do you spend time with him that you get to know him? What do you think God's voice sounds like? If he spoke, would you even recognize it? What is he really like? What does he think? You know, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about relationship and close communion. I, I could go down the list. Adam, Enoch, no, Moses, Abraham, the prophets, Jesus, Paul. They all had a close relationship with God and they heard his voice and walked in obedience. My favorite verse is Psalm 910. Those who know my name will put their trust in me. You see, the more you get to know him, the more you're going to trust him. And the more you know him, the more you're going to hear his voice. You know what's crazy? We take doctors at their word, and we don't take God at their word. We, we take a friend's word at their word. You know, we take them at their word. We don't take God as his word because you don't know what God says. His word is full of promises for you. And the enemy just wants us to live in the static and to be content with that. 98% of Christians and 90% of pastors, this is staggering, have never read the entire Bible cover to cover. 98% of Christians, 90% of pastors. Joel, have you read the Bible cover to cover? <laughs> anyway, I know you have. Okay. John 10, 27 says, My sheep know and recognize my voice, and they follow. Is God's word the background music of your life? I remember singing with the radio, and one of those static things came in, and I kept singing the song. Now, I didn't sat down to memorize that song. I, if somebody would have told me, write out the lyrics, I couldn't have done it. But you see, those songs have become the background music of my life. And 10 years ago, I started something that I will never quit till the day I die. Now, you're going to think this is crazy, but I took a Bible, a pew Bible. Do you know what a pew Bible is? They don't, it's not a study Bible. It's not an illustrated Bible. It's not, it doesn't have cross references, nothing. It just has the text. And I got it in large print. No, actually giant print. And so what I did was I cut the Bible up into four sections. You're going to go, oh, she cut the Bible up. You know what? How, how long do you think it would take you to read a book this size? This is, a, this is the New Testament right here. You can actually read the Bible in 72 hours. I want to challenge you. How much time are you in social media? How much time do you listen to the, to the news? How much time do you spend chatting on the phone? How much... Whose voice are you hearing and who are you following? I began to read the Bible like a novel. Now, I became a Christian when I was 10 years old, grew up in a Christian home. I've read the Bible cover to cover a number of times, but to study. And I was challenged to read it like a novel. And you know what's happened? 
I'm on my 18th time in 10 years. Now that doesn't, that really isn't that much because the first two years I wrote it, read it eight times. I read it, you can read this in three months. I'm just saying. If you just read the scripture, it is God's word. It is breathed. You get to know what he sounds like. And I was absolutely amazed. That first time I read it through, I wrote this down. This is what I heard God saying. To listen intently, follow intentionally, without delay, discussion, or doubt. From Genesis to Revelation, God is speaking. And he wants us to listen intently, tune in. But he wants us to follow intentionally. Think of it, when you give your children or your grandchildren an instruction, you, you want them to do something, you're teaching them something. Your intent is that they will follow. That's God's intent. He's not just talking just to talk. He wants us to follow. And so, but if we delay what he's prompting us to do, if we discuss it with our husband, with one another, or with ourselves, or with Satan himself, that's how Eve got in trouble. Or if you doubt, oh, that couldn't be God. Let me tell you, one morning I was having my listening time with the Lord, and it was like 7 o'clock in the morning, and God said, go in the backyard, pick hydrangeas, bring them to your neighbor. Well, that wasn't anything I came up with. It really didn't have any chapter and verse. But you know what? I got up, I went out, I picked hydrangeas, and I'm starting to walk down the cul-de-sac to my neighbor's house that he had prompted me to go to, and I'm thinking, I mean, I'm like having a discussion. Okay, I'm going. Should I just leave it on her front porch? Should I? She's probably not even up. And you know, the Holy Spirit just said, I just told you to pick the flowers and, and bring them to your neighbor. So I rang the doorbell. She opened the door after a few minutes, tears streaming down her face. And I, I said, I, I just felt like I wanted to bring you this. She said, that's just like God. I had the worst night. One of her children had, well, I don't even want to go into it, but it was, it was hard. He said, it's just like God. And I just hugged her, and I prayed for her, and I turned around and went home. It took me like six minutes. Do you know what happens when God tells us to do something? We think we've got to plan it in our schedule. Just get up and do it. Now, Years and years have gone by since I've done that. And there is a bond between us that is so sweet just because I was obedient. You see, God's voice doesn't sound like our voice. In fact, Isaiah 55 says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are much deeper than ours. So do you know him enough to hear? I'm challenging you. You don't have to cut up a Bible but I can give you the instructions if you want to. It's really cool. You can stick this down. When I travel, I just bring the part of the Bible that I'm in. And I read it on the plane or wherever I am. I put it on a cute little thing. And, you know, it's just awesome. 
And another thing I don't do, I don't mark in it. Do you mark in a novel? Not really. And I just read it. And you know the amazing thing? About the third or fourth time I got to it, I got to those boring genealogies. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they became my friends. I'm like, I knew some of those guys. And I'm like, I'm seeing patterns. I'm seeing, oh my gosh, this king and this king and this king, their great-grandson returned back to the Lord. They went away, they went away, they went away. The great-grandson returned to the Lord. I'm going, oh my gosh, the Bible is so full of amazing things. I didn't go to seminary to find it out. I'm just reading the Word. And do you know what? My faith began to grow in ways that were unbelievable. So let me just give you a little snapshot of what happened. In 2007 is when I began to read through the Bible like a novel. And I just asked the Lord, teach me how to listen. And I began to mark in my Bible, not mark here, I had a little sticky note. Every time God spoke, I just put the reference down. Y'all, he's speaking all the time. And if you don't listen, he goes to another person. You see, you're not, you're, we're just, I mean, it says his eyes go to and fro all over the earth to find somebody who loves him. Somebody who will go up in his arms and just let him love on him, want to be close to him, just desire to hear his voice, and then walk in obedience. So 2007, I began to do that, and I began to pray. And what was amazing to me, and I'm, I'm hopping all over this outline. In fact, I told the Lord, you know what? Man plans his ways, but I'm all about you directing my steps. So, um, so 2007 is when I really heard from the Lord that first read through the Bible, listen intently, follow intentionally without delay, discussion, or doubt. And that's when I began to take a listening journal and a prayer journal. Because what I would do after I just read, read until the Spirit told me stop, sometimes I'd sit and read a whole book. Read the whole book of John. Oh my gosh. One time I sat down and I'm not trying to, I don't want you to think like I'm holier than thou or whatever. I'm just saying in my experience, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all in one morning. I would get to the point where Jesus was going into Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion. I began to cry. I knew it was coming. And I heard another of his best friends describing what this Jesus went through. And it was so powerful. We read the Bible like no other book. We read a little chunk here, a little chunk there. We think of a topic and we look all over the place. God wrote the book. He's speaking to our hearts. He wants us just to read it. Yes, study it. Yes, memorize it. Yes, meditate on it. Amazing. George Mueller, who is known as a man of faith, who was, maybe you haven't heard of him. He died a long time ago.
But he had these orphanages, and they'd be out of food. He never asked for money. And one morning, the children in the orphanage hadn't had meat in so long. And they said, Mr. Mueller, can you pray that we have meat today? He thought, we don't even have anything to eat, let alone meat. But he joined with the children. They're actually sitting at the breakfast table. He doesn't know what he's going to serve them. After he gets done praying, knock at the door. This man, delivery man, is there. He has a meat truck out in front. It is broken down. And he said, you know, this is like in the early 1900s. You know, my, my ice blocks are going to melt. And could you use some meat? So, I mean, story after story. If you want to read, if you're, you want your faith to just read story, read George Mueller's biography. Anyway, what made me come unglued? He's a man of faith. I think, wow. By the time he was 72, he had read the Bible 100 times. Back then, they had no study Bibles. No, see, we get so wrapped up in what do the study notes say? And what, like, I want the Holy Spirit to be my teacher, not some theologian. And then... By the time he died, he was in his early 90s, from 72, like the next 20 years, he read it another 100 times. So no wonder he's a man of faith, because he heard God's voice. He knew the God of the universe. He knew that if there was a need, he could ask. It wasn't a name it, claim it. It wasn't odd. It wasn't weird. It was, he knew God. You see, do you know God enough to hear? Question two, do you care enough to listen? Do you really care? Do you know we actually only do what we really want to do? You can say, you know, I want a trim body. I should do this, I ought to do this, and you know, blah, 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 blah. If you want to do it, you'll do it. Like there's no such word as try. You either do it or you don't do it. And so in the same way, do you really care? Do you really want to hear God's voice? You see, if you don't know him, you're not going to trust him and you're not going to really care. So the first point, if you leave with nothing else, get to know God and ask him to make your heart pliable, to want to get to know him. Are you willing to just say, God, do whatever it takes? I'm your child. I want to crawl back. I want to learn how to crawl back in your arms, your everlasting arms. I want you to speak peace over me. I want you to speak joy over me. I want you to comfort me. I want you to be excited with me. I want you to be the first person I run to. Do you really care? You know, one of the saddest verses in Scripture, I think, is in 1 Samuel and in Revelation. First one is 1 Samuel 1.3. In those days, messages from God were very rare. Visions were uncommon. Why? Because there were hardened hearts. They were into lip service, rituals, and tradition. You see, they had form. A form without faith is just a farce. Do you really care enough to listen? 
You know, we blame our kids, or sometimes our spouses, for having selective hearing or selective listening. Like you're just talking and you're like, they don't remember, they didn't. If they heard it, they would have either responded or they would have done what you said. But that selective listening, I feel like we're plagued with that in the church today. We just only want to hear what makes us feel good. We don't really care until we're in a crisis. But I'm saying, I've been through a number of crises in my life, a number of hard, hard crises. My son lost part of his hand in an explosion when he was eight. I went through breast cancer. Both our children had periods of being a prodigal. Our daughter still is. She's 31. Um, I mean, there has just been incredible things. And I'm so grateful that I have had a history of digging my roots deep down into God. And this recent thing of the last 10 years has only just taken my faith and just put it in places where I never dreamed it would be because my God has become so big and I really care. I really want to hear. In fact, it's more important that I hear God than anyone else. I rarely read any books by other authors who are telling us how to live the Christian life. I read the Bible. It has everything in it we need. I challenge you to read the Bible cover to cover over and over again till the day you die. The other really hard verse is Revelation 2.4. And God is speaking, the Spirit is speaking, and he says, I know all your good works. I know everything you've done. And he's just giving the church at Ephesus accolades. But he said, but this thing I have against you, you have left, not lost, you have left your first love. Meaning you have turned, and what's more important to you is doing for God. It's, it's what I like to call tying on fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is when our roots go down, it's born through us. What is our own works and our own efforts is tied on fruit. You see, we're all fruit trees. We're like, look at one another. They got more fruit than I do. How can I get more fruit in my life? I just, you know, blah, 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 blah. So at night, you, like you're going in an orchard and you have this bushel basket full of apples and you tie them on. And for a while, it looks really great. You're feeling really good. You know, you just started teaching the fifth grade class and you're table leader here and, you know, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, what happens to tied on fruit? It rots. So what you have to do is like redouble your efforts. When nobody's looking, you have to go untie all that fruit and try harder again. God says, if you listen to me, you're digging your roots down into me. I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit through you. And I want to point out to you what, where, you've had, where you have tied on fruit. I want to free you from that. The third question. Do you have faith enough to follow? Without faith, Hebrews 11.6, it's impossible to please God. 
How does faith come? Romans 10:17. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You know what is so cool? If you like aren't really into reading, put the Bible app on and listen to it and follow along. I like listening to an English speaker. <laughs> listen to God's word. Put it on in your car. Turn off the radio. Turn off your praise music. I mean, I'm all about praise music. But so many, even of our praise musics today, praise songs, if you listen to them, they're really pretty self-focused. Lord, help me, you know, I want you know, blah, blah, blah. God's word is going to transform your life. Nothing else can. So do you know God enough to hear? Do you care enough to listen? And do you have faith to follow? It says in John 14, 21, those who love me do what I say. If you really love him, you're going to obey him. And the, the classic passage in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, about building your house on sand, building your house on rock, and you go, oh yeah, that's the word of God. I believe in the word of God. Do you know what the clincher is? It's not just believing the word of God. It's obeying it. If you read that, it says you will be a house on a rock if you obey my word. The house on sand even knows the word, but they don't obey it. What's your life like right now? Are you on a solid rock or are you on shifting sand? Do emotions run your life? Do other people's opinions? Do your circumstance and stage in life? Even if you know God's word, if you're not obeying it, you're just going to continue to shift around. I want to read you a story, and I hope it prompts your kind of attention um, from God Guides. This is one of my friends. I've never met her, but she's become a dear friend. She grew up about 30 miles from where... Um, I grew up in Holland, Michigan. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. In fact, she was single. I don't know if your copy has, but mine does. A picture of her. This could have been one of my relatives. Looks just like just the people from the old country, I would say. Um, she was a missionary to India for 38 years. Single all her life. Lived till she was 100. She went to the mission field in 1924 when you went to the mission field and didn't come back. She brought, this is 50, story, 50 some stories. God used this book. You see, I'm just going to step back a minute. In 2008, so 2007, I began to pray, Lord, teach me how to listen. I began to read through the Bible. Had already read it four times, on the fifth time, on the sixth time. Within that year, 2008, I didn't look for them. I wasn't on Google. I mean, I wasn't on Amazon. I wasn't in the Christian bookstore. God brought three books to me. This was one of them, God Guides. A friend I was having lunch with um, was late, and she said, I apologize, but on my way to meet with you, God told me to go back and get this book for you. And she shared with me about the book, and I just started to cry. That's an answer to my prayer. I want to learn how to listen. Number two, 
I had received a book in 1995 that I looked at and I just kind of went, huh? It was called God Calling. Not Jesus Calling, God Calling. It's written by, they don't even want their name known, by two listeners. And you know what? I didn't really get into it just because my heart wasn't ready to listen and to hear. And I just put it on my bookshelf. So the first printing of Jesus Calling, um, I was a speaker over at Johnson Ferry, kind of a part of their their speaker whatever pool. And... um, the Marsha Crow, who's the women's director, um, knew Sarah Young or of her, and she got one of the first batches of her books. So she gave all of us speakers one. So I have Jesus Calling, and I have God Guides. I'm reading in the front of Jesus Calling, and really, Sarah Young was a burned-out missionary. And um, she just kind of tells her story. And she tells how somebody gave her God Calling, before she went to the mission field. And she carried it around for like seven, eight years, never even looked at it. And she was, in a, she was packing to come home, saw the book, thought, should I get rid of it? Or, and something just told her to sort of keep it. And she began to read it. And these are two women in extreme poverty. And they just every day sit together out of desperation and listen to God. They call it having a quiet time in um, the early 1900s. So I'm I'm reading that. I'm going, I think I have that book. So I went up, and um, sure enough, I had that book. So that year, in 2008, I read this. This is like a... Anyway, all that to say is Sarah Young said... If they could hear God's voice, could I? And that's what prompted her, as they share in this book, as well as this book, these women probably didn't know each other, were around about the same time, but they were both getting, hearing from God to listen to him. And they both mention similar things. It was a time of being still and quiet, and taking a pen and paper and just writing what God speaks to their heart about. Not that it's chapter and verse, not that anything in here or Jesus calling is the word of God. It's just God speaking to somebody's heart. Anyway, this is this book is unbelievable. And that's why um, I'm so glad Hillary, it was her idea to purchase one for each one of you. But let me just read one story. Mary Gee was on the mission field for a while, just working her heart out, almost being, you know, like, um, burnout herself. She was a single, and she was worked in a mission. So she said that she had determined to listen to God for guidance in all matters. I promised him I'd obey whatever he told me. There were so many things that needed solutions. One was a feeling of friction between my colleague and myself. She had 10 children. Now, this is a single. She had 10 children. She had no idea what this woman was up against. Um, And often was not well, understandably, 10 children. And she could not carry out her work program regularly. I felt very critical of her for trying to hold down her job in the mission. 
One morning early, I asked God for guidance. What could I do to dissolve the critical feelings I had in my heart from her? Take her a fresh egg, came a thought. Well, that wasn't my idea. And who would say that was guidance from God? A dozen fresh eggs might be reasonable, but one? That might insult my colleague. So I wrote it off and gave it up for that morning. And as you read earlier in the book, she talks about she had determined that she would not only listen, but she would obey. So she went to school to teach her classes in the mission school. At noon, when I came home, there was a chicken in a large armchair in my living room. (laughs) Well, our houses in India were wide open to the public. The hen flew down and started to cackle, and there was an egg. freshly laid. Dear me, that had never happened before or since. Then I remembered what I had scratched out in my new guidance notebook. I call it my listening journal. Take her a fresh egg. The spirit said, why don't obey? And I said, she'll laugh at me. Results are not your business. Your business is obedience, and you promised. So I took the egg and went to her house. Her little son was outside, and that helped. Here, tummy, take this egg to your mother, please. It's for her. He took it, went in the house. I didn't wait, and left quickly. (laughs) That evening, the mother came to me. How did you happen to bring me that egg? It was so fresh and good. Well, that was my guidance this morning. And then I told what happened. That's just like God. Do you remember my neighbor saying, that's just like God? Okay. I had already read this, so I'm like going, wow, I heard that somewhere before. He knew I had nothing to eat all this day. There just wasn't enough food for all of us, so I went without. Then you brought the egg to me. When I ate it, I felt so satisfied and strengthened From that day, she and all her family began to listen to God daily for his guidance. All the friction in my heart was gone, and there sprung up an understanding and Christian love for her and for all her family. This is not a Bible, but it's just one person's journey on hearing and listening to God and learning to be obedient. Amazing. Well, so that was 2008 in my journey. Those three books came to me, and I just, I didn't read them in place of God's word. They were just, I was just learning. God brought them along to teach me. In 2009, I had breast cancer. And praise God, um, There's a guy in here, so I'm not going to say what I was going to say. So anyway, um, but I had a complete mastectomy, and um, God, that year of recovery, I even went deeper and deeper into listening with God, listening to God. And it was in 2010, I was sitting in my chair in my porch, having a listening time. And again, I've got my journal. I got my pen ready. Sometimes God doesn't say anything to me. We, he, it's God. Sometimes you're with a friend, you're just with him. 
You just enjoy their friendship. It's not about what he's telling you or what. It's just become such a relationship. But I heard him say, I am awakening. And I'm like, I'm awakening an unprecedented number of hearts and neighborhoods. And I've given you the passion, the 22 years of experience, simple tips and tools to encourage and equip all women everywhere to begin neighborhood Bible studies. I wrote that down and I looked at that and when God says anything to me, my knee-jerk reaction is, okay, I'll listen. I don't know what that means. I'm an ordinary person. I'm not a business person. I'm not somebody to start some ministry or anything. But he just said, you have women that you've been discipling, 10 of them coming to your house in two hours. Share this vision with them and invite them for 24 hours of prayer and fasting and listening to me. The funny thing is, I tried to plan that 24 hours. He goes, wait, no, you're just going to listen to me. I'm like, okay. But it was out of that... um, time of listening prayer, listening, that God birthed NBS to go, Neighborhood Bible City to go, that is really around the world. God is multiplying Bible studies all over. But what happened next was because I, at this time, probably had read the Bible about 10 times now, he began to call me to write Bible studies. And as I listened, I didn't set out to do it. He just gave me ideas. And they were acrostic Bible studies, simple five-day Bible studies. That during that period of time, because I was listening to God, and they were right from the scripture, and I knew which scripture to put with what Bible study, it was so easy. But you see, as I was listening, he was saying, this is easy. I'm just going to tell you the next step. I I call it knit the next row. Just do the next thing. And so now in 2017, on our website, nbstogo.com, there's nine Bible studies, five years worth of every week for five years you can study the scripture. And all it is is a passage of scripture with a little tool to help you self-feed in the word. And it also is a template that you can turn around and facilitate with your family, with teenagers, with women in your neighborhood or workplace, a Bible study. Because the Holy Spirit's the teacher, you're just the facilitator. And in December, we began translations because God just brought people to us. They found the website around the world and asked us, could we translate? And so right now, there's 17 different Bible studies on our website that are in languages like Chinese and Russian and Polish and Portuguese and Spanish and French. I mean, God, I couldn't have planned this. You see, God's work is only done with those who know his voice and are willing to listen and obey. And if you would just look at your bookmark a minute. Do you know God enough to hear? 
Do you care enough to listen? Do you have faith enough to follow? I want you to marinate on those questions. You know Samuel. Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Do you have a yes, Lord attitude? I want to listen. Well, I've put down four simple steps that I've used over the years to listen to the Lord. It's listen, ask, write, and follow. Listen, just wait and be still. Be in a place where you can be quiet. It might be out in your car in the garage. You know, wherever, you, ask God where I can be to just, you know. And then ask. Just ask yourself, am I absolutely honest, pure, unselfish, and loving? You're going, what? You know, if, if you have sin in your heart, you can't hear the Holy Spirit. So it's just like a little checkpoint. And then write. Write out what you hear the Spirit saying to you. It might be a word picture. It might be just a word. It might be a sentence. It might be scripture that he just brings to your mind. If he's bringing scripture to your mind, write that out. Even if you don't know chapter and verse, even if it's just partial, just write that out. And then follow without delay, discussion, or doubt. And you know what some of the following is? It's just basically take God at his word. Take him at his word. Cling to his promises. Stop living in the pity party world and live in the praise party world. Lift your eyes off yourself and off your circumstances and put them on God. The exercise you did last week, the A to Z praise, I've been doing that for years and years and years. In the shower, in the car, wherever. Whenever I find myself kind of going like this, I just start with A. God, you're awesome. You're almighty. You're abundant in everything you do. God, you're big. You are beautiful. You are, you're caring. You're my counselor. As you begin to lift your gaze off yourself, it's like if the screen would come down and I put a big black dot on it and I asked you, what do you all see? Every single one of you would say the black dot. You see, that's the problem in our life, the thing we're obsessing about, but we put it right up to our eye and we can't see anything else. What praise does, what listening to God does, with taking him at his word, is you're stepping back. It doesn't mean denial. doesn't mean you disregard what's going on. But you see God, and you begin to see how he sees it in light of all of eternity. And then at the bottom you see, I always hear your cry. No sound escapes me. Many in the world cry to me, but oh, how few wait to hear me speak. Right now at your table, we're going to take the last few minutes and we're going to have a, some silence. And I, I'm just going to pray over you and I want you to take some time because this is very practical. I want you to just taste and see. I want you to just listen to the Lord and ask him to speak to your heart and just write down what you hear him say. Don't question it. 
If, if like a weird word or something, just write it down. Whatever impression. I'm going to pray over you right now. We're going to do it for a few minutes, and then I'm going to close us up. Holy Spirit, you not only speak through your written word, you speak through your living word, which is Jesus, and you speak through your whispered word, which is the Holy Spirit, which guides us in all truth, what takes the word that's been planted in our hearts, and you apply it to our lives. And Lord, I just pray for my sisters right now. Lord, I believe even in this few moments of silence, you have been waiting maybe years for these, one of these gals to be quiet enough to hear your voice. I pray that you would speak and that we would have open ears to hear what you have to say to us. Discipline of silence. Just continue to listen. I thank you that you are here in our presence. And it's the greatest present we can receive. And also the greatest present we can give to you is just be in your presence. I pray over my sisters. I pray that you would give them a heart to listen. That they would dare to ask you to teach them to hear your voice. And they would carve out time to read the entire Bible this summer. Why not? We can do whatever we set our mind to do. And I pray that you will develop habits in us, that we will develop those habits of setting time aside to listen. Ears not heard, eye is not seen. What you have planned for those that love you, for those that know you enough to hear, for those that care enough to listen, and those that have the faith to follow. In Christ's name, amen. I do challenge you to ask the Lord to give you a heart to listen and be amazed. Maybe find a partner here, somebody that you say, let's just pray together that God will quicken our hearts. And I want to encourage you, if God spoke to you during this brief time, that you would share that with somebody else. And that you would actively listen to the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Make it the background music of your life. Choose to tune in to his voice. And I've put together just some scripture, some questions, just kind of a guide this week. And I just invite you to um, carve out time to do that. Thank you for letting me share.
Thank you, Debbie, very much. Hey, we are about out of time.